You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. morning i'm coach jen from ocala florida and you are listening to horses in the morning on the horse radio network for monday february 19th episode 3368 brought to you today by worm flooring good morning horse world you have found horses in the morning on a monday you're in for an amazing horsey week of laughter learning and fun with glenn and jamie The Hit'em crew is out and about gathering intel for upcoming episodes, so sit back and enjoy this mashup of previously aired masterpieces featuring a listener's fox hunting adventures with Fox Pit, Glenn's favorite recipe from Cowgirl in the Kitchen, Jill Stanford, and how a small group of volunteers in Washington State help find horses and humans who get lost in the backcountry. You want to introduce our first guest? Absolutely. This is our auditor, Carrie, and she posted something on Facebook in the auditor's room that I I, uh, <clears throat> I choked a little bit because most people don't take pictures fox hunting next to William Fox Pitt. What? I know, right? How is this happening? Did you get his phone <laughs> number? Morning. Did you get his phone number? Um, I, I don't I don't have his phone number. I could, I could probably work on that. But um, the, the super st- short version of the story is he had a clinic that was canceled in New York. Why you cancel a clinic with William Fox Pitt? I, I don't know. I guess they <laughs> yeah. couldn't fill it, um, which is kind of ridiculous. So anyway, he has some friends from England, um, Daisy and Richard Trayford, and he called them and he said, hey, I'm, I'm stuck in New York. I have a flight in on this day and I'm there for three days and a flight out on that day. And the clinic was canceled and I've, I've got nothing to do. I'd really like to fox hunt somewhere in New York. Do you guys know of anything? And they said, well, funny story. Uh, we actually just moved to New York and we moved to the neighborhood where the oldest fox hunt in the country is Genesee Valley hunt. And we will, we will pick you up at the airport, fly in here and we'll take you hunting. And he said, okay, cool. And so they contacted the, the huntsman and said, Hey, are you willing to do this? And she said, yeah, that would be great. And she said, you know, do you, do you think he'd teach while he was here? Oh, well, I don't know. We can ask him. They said, do you want to teach while you're here? Yeah, sure. Whatever. So I get this text. Hey, William Fox Pitt is coming. Do you want some lessons? And I, I sort of texted back and I said, sorry. Um, <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Well, here's the deal. This clinic was canceled. He's coming. You know, are you interested? And I said, yeah. They said, do you think we can fill it? I said, if you can't fill it, I will fill it myself with personally with my horses and my clients. Um, so they said, okay, great. We'll, we'll set it up. And I said, okay, fine. So, um, they sort of said, well, what do you want to do? And I said, well, I I've got event horses. I've got a Grand Prix dressage horse. I've got, uh, fox hunting clients. I've sort of got whatever you want. And they said, okay, well, we'll come to your place. We'll do a couple lessons. We'll take him hunting in the afternoon. We'll do a hunt breakfast and then we'll have him teach on a cross country course the next day. I'm like, okay, done. Sold. So, he showed up here and I had, um, a private lesson on my Grand Prix horse, which I, you know, I wasn't, obviously he's an incredibly accomplished dressage rider, but 
you know, does he know about Piaf and Passage? Who knows? And I, I, I contacted a friend of mine and I said, what do you think? And he said, well, I don't see how it can be bad. And I said, okay, sold. Yeah. good point. So it was great. He was great um, with that horse. And then I jumped a novice horse with him. And then I jumped an intermediate horse with him. And um, then we went hunting that afternoon with the Genesee Valley hunt. And um, yeah, a, a friend of mine, a client of mine, her husband, Paul um, Roebuck comes in and takes pictures. And so he caught that picture. I was only behind William for about three minutes in the hunt, but he caught that picture. I'm like, oh, this is a great picture. I'm going to have to post this everywhere. <laughs> or, oh my gosh, that's the kind that you blow up and you get made into canvas and you put it like in your living room as a centerpiece. Okay. Right. That was Life awesome. Side. Yeah. So, so let's talk. And, um, go ahead. I was just going to say, keep, keep, go, keep going. So you hunted. Go ahead. So we, we took him out hunting and he rode one of uh, Richard and D.C. Trayford's horses, a, a five-year-old and, and hunted. And we had, it was, it was crazy muddy and uh, it was a great hunt. I think we put four fox to ground or something, you know, an amazing hunt. And, you know, we had, we had breakfast, breakfast, quote unquote. Breakfast no, wait, that, hold that on. Week. How did he ride? Was he able to ride? Okay. Did he keep up with you guys? You know, he seemed to do okay. He seemed to stay on. That's fine. He okay, looked so um, huge on that yeah, horse in that so... picture too, Carrie. He looked so big on that horse. Yeah, he does. It, it wasn't a huge horse, but um, yeah, no. I mean, he obviously he he had a grin on his face the whole time. I mean, how can you not? You're you're fox hunting in the Genesee Valley. You're covered in mud. You've jumped a thousand coops. You've seen fox. You're you know you're not teaching. More importantly, <laughs> you're just having yeah. fun. Um, yeah. So right, yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, he had, a, he had a great time hunting and, um, you know, he came to the breakfast just like any other member of the hunt field would and, you know, had conversations with everybody and he's, he's very down to earth and he's very kind and just, just a, just a regular, regular kind, kind of guy. And, um, then the next day he taught on the Genesee Valley hunt horse trials course. And he did a couple of groups. He did a beginner novice group, a novice group, a training group, and then he did a fox hunters group. So we took a bunch of the fox hunters out, you know, people who don't really event and just, just played with them and, and did coops and jumps and banks and water and all kinds of fun stuff, um, on that day. And then, uh, ended up flying out. I think he went to Wisconsin and then I actually ended up driving to West Virginia on Thursday to ride with him again at Sharon White's and that had been planned for months. So the, the fact that he actually came here and was standing in my indoor arena giving me lessons was a bonus. So I, I just got back from, from West Virginia and riding with him there where we did more cross-country and more show jumping stuff. And again, just a, just a kind, down-to-earth kind of guy. Really? So he's just super nice and not pretentious yep. and not like I'm an Olympian, no, I'm amazing? Not no, not at all. Not at all. He was talking to me about using double reins on the bit that I had on my horse. And he said, you know, on chilly morning, I had double reins on that horse. And the first third of the course, I went out on the, on the top rein and the middle of the course, I went out on both reins. And then by the end of the course, I was on the bottom rein. And, you know, it was just telling me, you know, you just have to, you just have to go with what the horse needs, you know, just, just real, just common sense. I mean, you know, it was, it was impressive. He's just a, like I said, just a kind down to earth guy with a incredible knowledge and you know, just information to share, which is always, always nice. <laughs> so a lot of these guys that are amazing and, and girls that are amazing riders have a really hard time communicating what there's what they can do. So, so he's an amazing rider. Does he communicate that 
well? Does he teach well? He does. I don't feel like he tried to micromanage. You know, I think the hardest thing about a clinic is a lot of times, you know, the clinicians have no idea who you are or what you've done. They can only take your word for what you've told them in the first three minutes kind of thing. And I think clinicians end up doing a lot of exercises as opposed to more, you know, really detailed things. Um, with the Grand Prix horse and the, the other um, intermediate horse that had private lessons on, he was able to get a little bit more in depth. But, you know, the stuff that we did at Sharon's was more exercises, but, but very good exercises. And, hey, you know, when you canter through the water, you need to make sure that your horse is taking as many steps through the water and in as short coupled as it possibly can be, as opposed to, you know, running through the water and letting them be strung out. So you do a face plant, you know, on the bank out kind of thing. Right. So it was, it was educational and that he was able to say, okay, this is the exercise that we're going to do here. And everybody comes to you and do the exercise. And okay, you did it really well. And you need to go a little bit slower and you need to go a little bit quicker. And you, you know, obviously you can learn from the other people in the clinic as well. Absolutely. And that's, that's valuable information. That's great. So how did he do with your Grand Prix dressage horse? It was pretty cool. It was, it was pretty neat. So I, I, I sort of fell upon this horse by accident. Um, I am an, an event rider, a professional event rider, and uh, the super short version is this horse sort of came into my life by accident, and I had I had a naughty uh, gray horse that I'd taken to pre-St. George. That, that was an event horse that hated dressage, so I made him go to every dressage show and started working on my medals for the USDF stuff. So I ended up with this Grand Prix horse and finished my gold medal a couple of months ago. Um, oh, and, you know, when you have somebody like William Fox Pitt standing in your arena, how do you not ride? every horse you can get your hands on with them. I mean, you know, he's going right. to improve me no matter what, because I'm me and he's him. So, <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> yeah. Very, very good. Very worth it. You know, you need to be more forward and your half pass needs to be a little bit steeper and, you know, you need a little bit more angle here and your changes could be a little crisper. And, you know, I just, again, I, did he help me a ton with a Piaf and Passage? No, but we didn't really work on that. And that's fine. The, the basic stuff, obviously he's very good at, obviously he's very good on the flat. So, and I think right. he, I think he enjoyed it. I think that was something a little bit different for him too. I don't think he sees that a lot. He probably sees a lot of off the track thoroughbreds that have been ridden for about a year. You know, and they're all kind of probably yeah. the same problem. So, yeah, how fun that was for a weekend for him to go out and fox hunt and teach clinic to hunters and to go out and, and uh, have Grand Prix dressage horses and do all that. What, what fun. Yeah. So he says he's going to come back. We said, now, can we get this in writing? You're sure you'll, you'll come back? Oh, yeah, yeah, I'll come back next year. So we were teasing and we do the, um, the Genesee Valley hunt has the oldest point to point in the country and it's a real point to point. It's not a, a steeplechase race. And he was asking about that and we were telling him about it and, and he actually wasn't able to stay for it. So he asked me in Virginia, he said, how did it go? I said, well, you see the laceration on my nose and the black eye. I said, it was great. And he said, Oh no, he <sighs> said something to the effect of, Oh, you didn't finish. And I said, what do you mean? I didn't finish. Of course I finished <laughs> it's the last. Next year, you have to do the point to point with us. He said, okay, I'm in. So we'll see. Oh my gosh. We'll so tell me yeah, real quick fun. then, uh, because you guys know I'm a little bit of a newbie to stuff like that. What's a point to point? It sounds like just a steeplechase, but on your own kind of thing. So what they do is, um, it's, it was 138 running of the Tennessee Valley hunt point to point. And they, we, we call the answering service at noon and they say, you need to report 
to this year, we went to the Granger farm. You need to report to the Granger farm. You need to be there at 245. You need to be on your horse at 250. So those are the only instructions that we get. So we show up at the Granger farm, we get on our horses and we get in a group. So I think there were 13 of us that were entered and I think only eight showed up. And um, so they give us the rules and they say, we're going to read the directions twice. And then I say, go and you go. So they give you two points. So we started at the Granger farm. They gave us point, a checkpoint is point A. And that was at the Rochester stables, you know, the, the South side of the Rochester stables. And there's a flag there and there's people there to record. So um, then point B was uh, in the Aiken woods. And then the finish line was in the triangle lot. So you have to know the hunt country well enough to get to those points fast enough without using the railroad bed, without using a road, you can cross the road, but you cannot go down the shoulder of a road. Um, you can cross the railroad bed, but you cannot go straight down the railroad bed. So there's some, some rules like that. So, you know, they read those directions twice and they say, go and you go. And I mean, it is flat out as fast as you possibly can, um, to, to those checkpoints and then to the finish line. Um, and usually, I mean, it's, it's a full gallop. Usually it's sort of seven ish miles and, you know, the finish ride is usually somewhere sort of around 18 or 19 minutes. Um, but it's, it's pretty exciting and, and you have to know the land. Obviously, if you don't know the land very, very well, then you're not going to be the fastest. So a lot of times you follow, there's, you know, there's a couple of key people that, you know, the huntsman who grew up there and now hunts the hounds obviously knows everything. And then there's a couple of whippers in that also do it. So if you're smart, you follow those people because they know the fastest route, the shortest route. And you follow those people. And then if you're really, really naughty, you overtake them at the end. And then- <laughs> <laughs> it's the yeah. only time in your life you're allowed to pass those guys. So take advantage. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So it's a ton of fun. It's usually we have a few casualties and the, and the policemen and the ambulance are at the start with us because it's, it can be a little bit more exciting than it probably should be sometimes. Um, but yeah, we have a, have a great time. And, uh, there were more than a few of us that crossed the finish line with blood on our faces and mud everywhere. And, uh, I think everybody finished this year. Uh, last year we had a couple of, of, uh, incidents with somebody that tried to run through a wire fence. They didn't see it and their horse didn't see it and her horse flipped over it. Horse was fine. She was fine, but obviously she didn't finish. So then we just pick up our cell phones and call the start and just say, Hey, we're at such and such and we're withdrawing so that they don't send a search team out to look for us. Man so. down, man down. Unbelievable. Yeah, exactly. That sounds so exciting. Yeah. I don't know what's more exciting that story or the William Fox pit story. It's kind of both. I kind of like wow. them. it was all in the same week. So there you I, go. <laughs> that's amazing. What a heck of a week, Carrie. I'm so glad that you came on to tell us about this and I cannot wait to hear more about your adventures with William Fox pit. So on a scale of one to 10, like, so, so sometimes I think of clinicians and I get nervous about going to a clinician because sometimes they don't take the time to get to know you and know your horse and know, like I've been overfaced in clinics before, but then yeah. I'm like, well, the clinician's telling me to do it. I should do it. Then I get myself in trouble. So how do you think he read all the people and t- trained all the people? Good. Would you recommend it? 
Very well. Yes. And I agree with you. A lot of times you get into a clinic situation and it's not good and it doesn't end well. And you've paid a lot of money to be there and ride with a big name. And now you're dealing with a confidence issue because, you know, they said, oh, no, 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 it'll be fine. Jump this preliminary bank on your beginner, not a source. Right. He wasn't like that at all. He was great. He just kept saying, look, if you're not comfortable doing something, don't do it. It's fine. But his, his big, his big quote of the weekend was, well, just get on with it just get on with it. You know, if it was you, if you did something and you messed up, he'd say, it's fine. Just get on with it. You know, just carry on. Don't worry about it. Mistakes happen. And he, and he said, you know, he said that I make mistakes. You're going to make mistakes. Everybody's going to make mistakes. Just get on with it. Gotcha. So, you know, he's not much dwelling. Oh, that spot wasn't perfect. You really should have done this, that, or the other thing. Um, you know, he's, he's not like that at all. So it was, it was, it was a nice, relief to not feel like, Oh Jesus, I don't jump this bank. This person's going to think I'm an idiot. Well, that person probably doesn't know who you are tomorrow anyway. So I wouldn't worry about it, but no, very, very kind. If you're not comfortable doing this, don't do it. If you think it's too much for your horse, don't do it. You're the rider, you know, your horse, this is the decision that you need to make. You need to make good choices. So yeah, it was great. All right, Carrie, thank you so much. I'm so excited. Post some more pictures. We love hearing from you. Thank you so much for coming on to talk about it. Well, you never know what Mother Nature's going to throw at you when you're out and about with your horse trailer, whether it's going to fox hunt with Fox Pit or something else. Make sure your trailer is up to the task. For example, does your trailer or barn bake under the summer heat? Are leaks turning your, the interior of your trailer into a monsoon zone? Well, hold your horses and park your trailer and say goodbye to scorching surfaces and leaky ceilings with seal and chill roof coatings. This revolutionary silicone-based coating creates a barrier against heat and wet. First, it seals the roof tighter than a drum and stops leaks before they start. Second, it reflects back nearly 90% of those nasty UV rays, keeping your trailer and barn up to 60 degrees cooler on a blistering day. Seal and Chill works its magic on trailers, RVs, barns, buildings, you name it, anything with a roof. So ditch the duct tape and the buckets and invest in long-lasting peace of mind with Seal and Chill. It's applied by pros for a flawless finish, and it's only $7.50 per square foot. That's a steal for a cooler, drier, happier trailer or barn, which means, of course, happier horses and people. Head over to wormflooring.com, that's W-E-R-M, flooring.com and find a dealer near you or you can give them a call worm flooring systems at 800-350-7564 and ask about seal and chill the leak stopping sun reflecting roof coating that'll turn your summertime blues into cool refreshing tunes but now it's time for study show so this is what we wasted our money on in the last month and i i would like to say there's some surprises in here but there really isn't i get to guess right yeah, i get to guess yeah you okay. get to guess okay so obviously the topic that's been the topic since covid is remote work working at home and there's been a thousand studies on that well this study says remote work might blank as productive as once thought more or less productive as once thought um, being that I know people that work at home less. Really? I think they're less productive because they can do like other things. Wow. I just saw a study not long ago that said they're more productive. This one says might not be as productive as once thought. So I was right. You were right. You so were correct. So when I said the answer and you went, really? <laughs> like, 
I was writing we that it's right in front of your face. <laughs> we work at home and we're fairly productive. Yeah, I work at home, but I also have to answer to lots of animals that yell at me <laughs> if I don't work hard. Yeah, I don't know about yours, but the heat's been everywhere and it's been hot. We've been over 100 degrees the last five days in Florida, too. And we don't usually get over 100 degrees. And Scooter and Nigel have just been grumpy. They've just been grumpy messes. Uh, I don't know if your animals are feeling that, too, but the heat's getting everybody. Oh, they're all mad. Yeah, they're all mad. I had to give Duke a bath over the weekend and like he never lets me wash his face like ever. Dude, he was like head down. I was scrubbing his forehead, spraying it with the hose. Like he just was like, thank God you're doing something. Then I have another horse who doesn't sweat. And I have pictures of him where the only thing I have a very tiny little pond on my property. And the only thing you can see are like his ears and eyeballs and nostrils. Like he's like hovering underwater, like an alligator. (laughs) (laughs) Just stay cool. Like that's a really smart actually, but he is a paint and he's now just a black and brown paint. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, listeners will know that we were supposed to go away. Jennifer and I were supposed to go visit friends in North Carolina last weekend, and we decided to stay home just because Jennifer was concerned about Nigel because he didn't sweat very yeah. good either. Well, thank God she did because he's he's had a couple miserable days. So we're very Aww. glad we stayed home, and I think she would have just been wearing the whole time we were going anyway. All right, next one. A horse girl would never do that. But they never stress about their animals while they're on vacation. That is so never, weird. How, never. never. I mean, even on a good time, it's uh, stressful. But this heat is just, we're hitting record heat here. Yeah. Which same. is saying something for Florida. <clears throat> um, summer school has proven to be blank for students. Do you know I went to summer school for three summers? Really? Yeah. But I didn't go Was to it summer grades? school. No, oh. I went to summer school to get ahead. Oh. So I didn't have to. I was done with high school. No, no, no. <laughs> no. No, my home life was a disaster and I hated my life and I wanted to move to Kentucky. So I went to three summers, three years in a row of summer school. So by the time senior year started, I was already done. Oh, wow. Didn't have anything to, so I graduated a year early. And I mean, talk, there was like my picture was like on the wall of the summer school, like, look at what you can do. <laughs> <laughs> but and it was easier. Was it you and you know. twelve delinquent students? Totally, yeah. It's like all my friends who failed and me. And yeah. but no, I mean, I was just getting. I just went to get ahead, and so that's what I did. And I I'm super great. Don't remember a thing from anything. I'm pretty sure I learned nothing. But to well, there me, you go. I and love ding, ding, ding! You get that one correct too. Summer school proves unproductive for students. Oh, yeah, because really? you're in there thinking about what you could be doing outside. I mean, oh my like, god, it was a joke. I was like. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Yeah. But am I allowed to say delinquent anymore? Is that a word I can't use anymore? I don't know. I was a delinquent. I just happened to be there yeah, to, to get ahead. They were delinquent when I was in school, but I'm sure that's changed. Sorry, people. It's been a long time. <clears throat> the next study. Studies show that breastfeeding. I have a comment about this. <laughs> Can we do the study first? No, because it might relate to the answer because it's the first thing I thought of. So when you have a child, the constant discussion is, are you going to breastfeed or are you not going to breastfeed? Are you going to breastfeed? You know, you're, you're the devil if you don't breastfeed your child. And the same other side, like literally it's a really, really hard and painful and tear. It sucks. So like, it's not, but then it's great. It's beautiful and it sucks. So uh, I wasn't sure, you know, how things were going and it 
milk doesn't come in for like a week. And then you've got this like starving, screaming baby. And anyway, so, um, and I was like, you can't buy formula for, yes, you can. You can't, no, you can't. It was like, it's like the barefoot debate. If you're first, right. If it's your first child. Yeah. Yeah. And you don't, I don't know what it was doing. And anyway, so I called my sister-in-law who's a doctor. I called her and I was like, I don't know what to do. And she was like, let me tell you, I've had two kids. I breastfed one. And the other one was formula fed. The one that ate from the bottle, it's smarter. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, we're good. Yeah, yeah. So, so there you go. So it, it, what was the study show again? Study show breastfeeding provides many benefits. And I swear we had studies that says it doesn't. So you're right. I mean, there no, you go. It, do- it definitely does. But just the fact that she's a doctor, yeah. she's like, the one that uh, I didn't breastfeed is smarter. I remember my mom you always said, with the four of us, she never breastfed any of us. It was always formula. But that oh. was the day when formula was the godsend. It was, you know, it was... It was going to save your children. Yeah, uh, but I was too cheap. I was like, why would I pay for something I get for free? Why why buy the cow when you get the milk Yeah, there free? you go. <laughs> oh, here's a big surprising study that they wasted a lot of money on. Yeah, by the way, that last study wasn't very surprising. Go ahead. No. Uh, drinking sugar-sweetened beverages blank the risk of certain health diseases. It increases your risk of health diseases (laughs) and obesity. How long have we been studying soda and sugar-sweetened beverages? By the way, they didn't say soda. I love how they said sugar-sweetened beverages. Um, Yeah, it increases the risk of chronic liver disease and liver cancer for older women. I guess if you're younger, you're okay. It's when you get older that you have the trouble. Oh Um, my gosh, what a waste of money. I know, I know. Breastfeeding is good. Sugary drinks are bad. Wait, we're learning so So much much. today. And probably right there is a million dollars for those two studies. Uh, Here's one that we've never talked about. We have never talked about prunes in the studies before. (laughs) New studies show daily prune consumption. Makes you poop. (laughs) Actually, it's showing that it supports cardiovascular health in an aging population. so because older they're people, pooping. Older, <laughs> older people get heart benefits, apparently, from daily prune consumption. Oh, my gosh. You mean vegetables and fruits are healthy? That's apparently, so weird. I think so. Jennifer's going to live forever because she does eat prunes. She's one of the very few people I know that eats prunes as a snack. Oh, uh, gross. <laughs> studies show that I was really interested in this one because there's been, there's been studies both ways on this one. It kind of goes back to the study we did earlier about working at home. Studies show that four-day work weeks are good awesome. or bad. I think, um, I think they um, decrease productivity and increase morale. <laughs> studies, <laughs> studies show that four-day work weeks are a win-win proposition for employers and employees alike. All right. Employees don't seem to think, or employers don't seem to think that. But uh, yeah, I, but I swear we've also seen it the other way. Uh, it, I bet you that one depends on who hired the study and paid for it, what the results are. When I worked at State Farm, I was I, I had to work um, in the State Farm regional office. Um, my dad's an agent and scored me this sweet gig uh, at the regional office, and I hated it so much. I started. They offered me four tens, which is literally ten hours a day, four days in a row. But then you don't have to work three, and so I took that. And then, well, then it did result in I was driving my car to work. 
And I was like, if I run my car into that tree, I don't have to go to work today. Yeah, that's when you know you need to And quit. that's when I quit. That is the last day. And then I started radio right after that. My dad said that was the stupidest thing you're ever going to do in your entire life. How there dare you, you leave State Farm, do some stupid thing like radio. Suck it, Dad. And here you are all those years later. By the way, nobody gets paid to ride horses either, apparently. <laughs> Suck it, Dad. <laughs> I, I would be interested to hear from any of our listeners that do have four-day work weeks. Is, does it make you – is it a win-win for you and the employer? Uh, let us know. All right, next study. Couples who do this at the same time are happier than couples who don't. Oh, my gosh. It just poop pops in my head. <laughs> You've been cleaning stalls a lot. <laughs> I don't know why it's able to do this. I would say, um, usually it's sex when we do this. But I was going to say sex would be like that's what not I the would answer either. Of. Okay, couples that do this at the same time uh, go to sleep at the same time. You're how did you know that? That's the answer. That Going real? to bed at the same time. That was the answer. Well done. Right. You are Thank knocking you. it out of the park today. Ooh, I'm good. <laughs> What's the one thing we always have in every study show? Coffee or wine? Coffee. Well, let's do coffee. New research every month. I don't think we've missed a month in 12 years. <laughs> New research suggests coffee has unique... Uh, unique antioxidant properties. Cognitive benefits. Oh, well, I was just try- I was trying to do some fancy so I, I need to keep my streak. You're close. You're close. Uh, it has cognitive benefits, but I, sw- I swear we've seen that study before. But then there was a separate study with two coffee studies this month, and the separate one said it's good for your hair. Now, that's one we've never had. Do I have to pour it on my head? After no, I apparently it? you're like- drinking it and it's good for your hair. I, I don't know. Just I don't read the studies. <clears throat> I did read the last one. <laughs> I don't read them. I just read <laughs> I did read the last one, though. Oh, this one. You're going to love this one. Men with deep voices, studies show, are? They have bigger balls. No, that's not. <laughs> well, it might be. I don't know. That. that wasn't this study, anyway. Men with deeper voices have higher testosterone levels? I don't know. Well, that, they all kind of go together, actually. <laughs> Men with deep voices are luckier in love. So they get more love than men with squeaky voices. Again, a okay. study. I could have told you that. And you My ask any woman, we could have told you that. Voice, so. We didn't need a study for that one. Uh, these eight habits, I did read this one, so you don't need to guess this one. Uh, these eight habits could add up to 24 years added to your life. And I went, I went, okay, well, you could guess some of these. No smoking, no drinking, no drugs, go to bed early, drink lots of water. Yeah, you pretty and you much take got your it. Vitamins. <laughs> <laughs> it's a big surprise. Exercise, eat a healthy diet, reduce stress, sleep well, and foster positive social relationships. I didn't get that one. I definitely <laughs> didn't get that one. On I the flip side, myself, if only I could foster positive. What was it? <laughs> so, social relationships, but sometimes we don't get a choice in who we get to foster with. Um, and on the flip side, don't smoke, don't drink, and don't become addicted to opioids. Well, yeah, becoming addicted to drugs you probably mean, reduces live your life. If I don't do drugs, <laughs> yeah, that's apparently. so weird. Or drink yourself to death. Both of those are not good. Yeah. So yeah, there you go. Eight things you should do, but it's going to add twenty four five. So if I look at it though, I don't exercise enough, so that one's kind of out. I'm not, not. I do. I don't eat a healthy diet. Uh, I'm pretty stressed. What do they say? I don't um, sleep well. I don't have any of these. As a vegetarian, I'm going to die tomorrow. If you are a vegetarian, you live seven years longer than meat eaters. Seven miserable. That's what I was just going to say. I was just going to say that. 
Seven miserable baconless years. I was just going to say that. And I was going to use bacon. Oh, you know me too. (laughs) (laughs) On that note, let's talk about food. Let's go to, I don't think there's bacon in this recipe. There's ham in this one, though. (laughs) Jill Stanford from Cowgirls Cook for the Great Outdoors is joining us. She's a regular guest. And we have to congratulate her on an award. I'm so pleased to welcome back to the show Jill Stanford, our favorite cowgirl cook. And this is a new book that she has out. And I want to start by congratulating you for Cowgirls Cook for the Great Outdoors just won the prestigious Will Rogers Medallion Award. Thank you. I'm very excited about that. Oh, my gosh. That's great. And, yeah, it recognizes outstanding achievement in Western books. And uh, it's just that's so it's so exciting to have your work and your passion recognized like that. I never, ever thought that I one of my cookbooks would, would become a finalist for this prestigious award. So I can tell you, I'm pretty excited about it. I am going to Fort Worth in October to be there. I want to meet all the other writers. It just, you know, it's sort of the culmination of all the work that I've done for 15 years. That's so great. Well, congratulations. Tell us about this new book. The new book. Is called, as you as you know, cowgirls cook for the great outdoors. There are more than ninety recipes for picnics, potlucks, and packed lunches. Don't we all love eating outside? I'm, that's you know, even if it's in a saddlebag, even if it's in your back pocket, just being outside, enjoying something with a barbecue. If you're RVing, it really doesn't matter. I think we covered virtually everything: horse camping. Everything, anything you can do outdoors. That's what the yeah. book is all about. And there's a lot of stories in it. If you've, if you've already read it, I reached out to all of my cowgirl friends for recipes. And they came through like you can't believe. I've gotten, I got lilac jam. I didn't know there was such a thing. Oh, my I gosh. Got, uh, I know it. I got some great uh, trail mixes. I got some really, really wonderful stuff, and the stories, I think, are half of the book, for sure. I think maybe that's why the people um, responsible for the Will Rogers chose it, because there are stories about real people in the West and what they cook and what they eat outdoors, (laughs) if that makes sense. And Jamie, you're going to be happy to know that there's a lot of vegetarian recipes in here. Well, we are going to highlight one of those today. Wait, no, we're not. We're we're not going to highlight a vegetarian one today. (laughs) Now, I'm surprised, though. It's called Cowgirls Cook. I I imagine there would be bacon in every recipe in the book, but there's not. They actually do have vegetarian recipes, and I have never, ever in a cookbook seen a recipe for fiddlehead ferns. So there you go. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever had fiddlehead ferns? I don't think so. (laughs) I don't know what it is. (laughs) <laughs> you have to have grown up in the rainforest of the Pacific Coast or Vermont to know that you can get fiddlehead ferns. They're the they're baby shoots, the fiddlehead ferns, and they're like spinach. They're like broccoli. They're like any green vegetable. They have a wonderful taste. And I grew up um, on Puget Sound, you know, which was not a good place for a cowgirl to be, but I got out of there. And my mother would always gather the fiddlehead ferns. I grew up thinking everybody knew about fiddlehead ferns, and nobody did. No. <laughs> but I found them again in Vermont when I visited a friend, and I said, oh, we have to buy some. And she said, you can eat those? And I said, they're 
delicious. I think you'll like them. So it may be the only cookbook in the world that has fiddlehead ferns in it. Aren't they the round-looking <laughs> green surprised. things? Yes, yes, before they before they straighten up and grow tall. It's the little babies, it's the little baby curls. So they're very tender and very sweet. Well, congratulations <laughs> on having the only cookbook with a fiddlehead fern recipe. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> well, what we're going to talk about today is I think this can be made vegetarian real easy. Uh, but, you know what, we're going to just go through your recipe. It's a cream cheese ham and pickle roll-up. That's right. That's right. It's it's uh, it's a spur of the moment picnic thing, and you usually have everything in your icebox for this to begin with, so it makes it very simple to have. They're very very easy, and they're very very good. What you need is garlic powder, and you need eight ounces of softened cream cheese. You need five six inch tortillas, a half a pound of sliced ham and five crunchy dill pickles cut into spears. Doesn't that sound simple? You probably hey, got yeah. all of that in your icebox right now anyway. Hey, wait a minute. Well, so Jennifer, what you do is... Wait, you... hold on one second. Jennifer just brought me a wrap, only it has turkey oh my in God. It instead of ham, but it has the pickles, it has That's the cream cheese, it has all the stuff. So, You're ready to go. You're ready to go. I just heard her say hi. I apologize for insulting you earlier, Jennifer. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you guys discuss. I'm going to try it. Yeah, I want to hear the pickle Good crunch job, over Jennifer. the air. Okay, you want to hear the pickle crunch? Here yes. it is. Yeah, take a crunch. Take a crunch. I don't know if it was crunchy enough to hear. <laughs> we, wow, I heard a little really something. Good, I heard a little crunch. <laughs> I know, I know. So, so what what do you do with this? You take the garlic powder and the cream cheese and you like mix them or do you spread it on exactly. top? How's it work? It, no, first you mix the garlic powder into the cream cheese until it's well incorporated and you can mix as much as you want. That's the nice part. That's cowgirl cooking. You don't follow it by teaspoons or half a teaspoon. It's whatever tastes right. To assemble it, you spread the cream cheese mixture on a tortilla. Then you put one or two slices of ham or turkey. That's a really good it's idea. Really good. <laughs> I wish I'd had. Yeah, I wish I had that in the book. Onto the cream cheese, and then you put a pickle spear on top of the ham or chicken or turkey, and roll it up. Repeat with the remaining tortillas. You wrap them tightly in plastic wrap and keep them cool in a container, or put a couple of cubes of ice um, in a second plastic uh, bag. And put them in your saddlebags, and the, that will keep them cold until you get to your destination. And then you just get them, get them out and crunch away. Are they flour tortillas or corn ones? You can use either one you want. Yeah, we're using I, corn. I should have put that. Yeah, corn is always awfully good um, and probably better for you. And I think it has a little better taste for ham or chicken or turkey. <laughs> well, you know what I never would have put together that works so well, I, and I would have never guessed this, is the dill pickle with the cream cheese. It's really good. <laughs> oh, <I'm... laughs> Well, that's what cowgirls eat. I mean, that's seriously, I got that. I got that recipe from somebody who didn't want me to use her name, which was interesting. That happens every once in a while. But she, um, she said that she's been making these for years. And she thought everybody did. <laughs> and I said, no, I don't think they do. I th but they're going to now. Jamie, sure. you could put tofu in, Jamie. You'd be fine. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, I, I would it taste okay without any meat in it? And because, like, I love cream cheese and I love pickles and well, I love tortillas. It'd be wonderful. It'd be wonderful. It'd be wonderful. You really don't. You don't need to have the meat in there at all. I, I would use two pickle spears if you're doing it that way. Okay. Well, guess you what? Could I'm also add- so the garlic powder helps, and you wouldn't think it would. Do you think that'd be weird? But mm-hmm. a little bit. Of, I don't think she put a lot on, and it just gives it that little zing. It's really good. Okay, well, I'm making true. this as it's soon as true. we're done because I know I have all these ingredients in my fridge. There we go. There you go. I hey. want to know how it turns out for you. Jill, there's something else <laughs> in the book. Two pages after this recipe is one for cream cheese and olives. Now, yours is fancier right. than my mom That's used right. to make, but I didn't know anybody in the world. Jennifer made fun of us endlessly for this. I didn't know anybody else in the world other than my mom made this. So you have a recipe for cream cheese and olives mixed up, and then you have a couple other things. She just used cream cheese and green olives. And we put mm-hmm, it mm-hmm, in celery, mm-hmm. and she always used that as a right. in celery. She always had that at Christmas and Thanksgiving, cream cheese and olives, and exactly. us kids loved it. We loved it. That's right. That's right. As I say in the book, when we were, when my sister and I, I have to mention my sister, Robin, she's the co-author of this book, and she was of enormous help to me, and she's going to Fort Worth with me because I couldn't have done it without her, that's for sure. This was a huge undertaking. But when we were little, a big treat was the pimento cheese spread that came in little tiny clear glass jars. Do you remember that? I or do. am I that old? I do. It, <laughs> and she would make sandwiches with this spread, and then she'd wash the glasses, and they became our juice glasses. So it was actually a very good thing. But we wanted to recreate that spread because we liked it so much as little girls. So that's why we came up with the green olive and cheese sandwich spread. But we used green olive stuff with pimentos. And yes. you can add more than I call for in the a little Worcestershire sauce. I'm not sure there was Worcestershire in the um, original recipe, but but we added it. And we, you know, a little trial and error and trial and error, but we came up with what we think is just a perfect sandwich spread. And um, it's a great spread for crackers, and it would be wonderful in celery sticks, too. Yeah. That, that would be really awfully good, good and we- good for you. I still make it um, for Christmas. Did you try it? Yeah, I still make it for Christmases, and people uh, people look at me funny. I've never seen it before. <laughs> Jennifer, by the way, <laughs> made one for herself, and she really likes it, too. I think this is going to become a staple for lunches. It's so easy to make. I'm glad to hear that. I'm very glad to hear that. Jamie went well, off to get some uh, right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I yes. <laughs> so we were having a question this morning of what um, – we couldn't find your phone number. So I was like, you know what? I'm Facebook friends with her. I'll go through. Uh, and I was looking in my messages because I was about <laughs> to send you a message before he found it. And I realized that I have written you a few times. And the last time I wrote you was, that was the best potato I've ever had. Thank you so much. And so now I'm trying to remember. I remember but- that. I don't remember what the recipe was. So first of all, I'm going to have to go back and I'm looking through all of your books, trying to find potato recipes so I can go buy that book. Cause apparently it was the greatest thing I've ever had in my entire life. <laughs> you might've found that in the first book, the cowgirls in the kitchen. Cow and it might've been baked potatoes, cowgirls in the kitchen. That was the first cookbook. And I'd never written a cookbook in my life. Never thought I would write a cookbook. But my editor, Aaron Turner, at Two Dots said, how do you feel about writing a cookbook? And I said, let me think about that for two minutes. 
Yes, I can do that. Actually, I had no idea how to do that. <laughs> That's where my sister came in very handy. But we had a recipe in that book for baked potatoes in the slow cooker. Is that what you did? I believe so, yes. That's it. Because it does make them nice and soft, and you can eat the skins and everything. Oh, yeah. I think that is what you did, actually. I think that was one of the last ones Mm -hmm. we did. Mm -hmm. Jamie, we need to have a cookbook, Mm -hmm. a Horses in the Morning cookbook, with all these recipes people have given us over the years. Yeah, we'll just steal all the Jill's stuff and make our own book. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) I was just going to say, I'll write it for you if you get all the recipes. You already have. (laughs) I probably have. I probably have. If you can't reinvent the wheel that many times, that's the problem. Well, this is great. Where can people find all of your books? They can find them on Amazon, or they can go to my website, which is www.jillcharlotte. That's just one word, jillcharlotte.com. And you can uh, click on the covers, and that will take you to Amazon. Most bookstores carry them, or I hope they do. (laughs) They should. And I do want to add one very funny note. I got a telephone call from the editor in. May, I think it was May, and the book had just come out in May of 2023. And she said, congratulations, Jill, your book has been chosen by Tractor Supply to be their summer um, book of, you know, for for the summer. You're kidding. And I thought, Tractor Supply? I've never heard of Tractor Supply. <gasps> we don't have one here in Central Oregon. <laughs> so I'm thinking, Tractor Supply? Are you kidding me? But I said, well, that's wonderful, because she seemed pretty excited about the whole thing. And I said, well, I'm I'm delighted to hear that. And I thought, you know, I'd sort of hoped for an award for, you know, Western writing or something. That came a little later. But I'm thinking, I need to look up Tractor Supply. I did. It's huge. It's only They're the biggest all chain over the in, United the, in the country. I didn't know that. I didn't know <laughs> oh that, because gosh, I don't have funny. horses anymore. I don't have chickens anymore. I don't have any livestock except a cat. And so I didn't know about Tractor Supply. I'm probably the last person in the world that didn't know about oh, Tractor Supply. Are they selling supply. some books? Is but it selling? If you're around a tractor, it's selling. It's okay. selling, yeah. So you, that's another place you could go to get it at oh. your local Tractor Supply. If we could only get you in Cracker Barrel now, the store, you'd be you'd be millionaire. <laughs> <laughs> I know it. I know. I could just retire and never write another word. Actually, I am writing another book, and it should be out in about a year and a half. And There's no recipes in this one, but there's some great stories. So, oh, I, you know, I'm going to write right to the end. Well, there right, you go. Right well, to the end. There, there you go. Hey, that's J- my, Jamie, that's my one, motto. There's one we have to try in here. And uh, I want to know if you've tried this, and then we'll let you go. Uh, Jill, have you tried the Dandy Dandelion wine? Well, of course. Well, every <laughs> single recipe in that book Every single recipe, each and every one, was tested twice by either my sister and myself, or we had some volunteers who said, yes, that they could, you know, that they would be very happy to to try that. And dandelion wine turned out to be really wonderful, as a matter of fact. It does pack a punch. You've got to be careful. I like it already. (laughs) Yeah, you'll, you'll like it a lot. It has a great taste. And it's good for you because it's dandelion. Of course it is. <laughs> and it would be organic. It's very organic when you get right down to it. How do you, can you use find organic a gallon sugar? of picked open dandelion blossoms? That's a lot. I love how you say you, it's very important that the them. flowers haven't been sprayed with weed killer. I love it. Yeah, that's probably Precisely, important. precisely. <laughs> Just go you to my find, backyard. find somebody's lawn. 
Yeah, well, <laughs> actually, I did go right across the street because I know they don't spray because they've not only got dandelions, they've got clover, they've got all kinds of stuff growing over there. And I know that they don't spray. So I asked them if I could pick the dandelion heads and they said they would be delighted. That would be it would look a little better. So that's how I found them. So yeah, There's you have to be very careful. Crazy no lady pesticides. picking our flowers again to <laughs> that booze. There she is. <laughs> what what in the world is she doing? <laughs> She's already made wine out of cherries and you know, other things like that. Well, but no, the dandelion wine is it's an that's an old recipe. That's been made for years and years. Well, we're going to we're going to put a link to your book in our show notes so everybody can find it there. Jill, thank you for joining us. We really appreciate it. We'll have you back soon. And by the way, my rap is all gone. Delightful so. to talk to you. <laughs> I ate yes, it all while I'm we were glad talking. you liked it. <laughs> Jen had said we're going to make a test on this if he likes it or doesn't like it. And I said, "What if he doesn't like it?" She said, "He'll like it." <laughs> that was really good. I just would have never <laughs> and put I'm the pickles glad you did. in with the cream cheese and that was what really made it work. Well, there you go. Thanks, Jill. There you go. There you go. It was nice to talk to both of you. Have a great day. You too. Bye. You Bye-bye. too. I really did eat it all, and Jennifer ate all hers already, too. It's so easy to make, too. There's a new lunch thing right there. And we make these roll-ups frequently, and they are easy and tasty. And Purina feeds are easy and tasty, too, and so much more. Each horse is unique and has unique feed needs, and Purina has you covered. From breeding and growing to senior horses, from performance horses to easy keepers and everything in between, Purina has an extensive portfolio of research-backed options for your horse. There's no shortcut for quality nutrition, and cheaper isn't cheaper if it doesn't work. Put Purina's research to the test and find optimal nutrition at any level at your local Purina dealer or at PurinaMills.com, and you can learn more. Well, let's head to our next guest. We have coming up Lori Adams, who is with the Jefferson City Search and Rescue, and she teaches mounted SAR courses, which is uh, search and rescue courses. So with everybody having their horses getting lost, we had another one here at a, in one of the forests in Florida recently, and I've read a couple of articles about it. So what happens? What happens if you come off and your horse <laughs> head sads out and leaves you behind? So that's what we're going to talk about today. Well, hi, Lori. Thank you for joining us on the show. Hi. Great to be here. Now, where are you at? Where are you located in the world? We are in uh, Central Oregon and in a close to Bend, but we're uh, west of that up in the, the mountains of the Cascades. Uh, and in what? In a little town called Camp Sherman. Camp Sherman. And what are you're with one of the search and rescues up there, right? Yes. Um, I have been with with two different counties. Uh, Jefferson County is the one that um, I've most recently am associated with and and worked with. And uh, you guys have some serious trail riding up there. That's for darn sure. (laughs) So, uh, (laughs) yes. How did we uh, have peaks that are over ten thousand feet, and we can get well? We get up at least to the eight thousand, nine thousand foot level. Um, on horseback. Well, I don't think, I don't know that I've been that high on foot, let alone on horseback. So how did you become involved in SAR with with Search and Rescue? Um, I started actually with my, my kids. We live um, along a wild and scenic river that is um, uh, very cold. And, and so, and then we have, um, the 10,000 foot mountains and, and the Pacific Crest Trail all are within a very short 
distance of of our little town and the response from for search and rescue to find people or injured people lost people um was well over about a three-hour response and so our local deputy with the sheriff's office started a, a search and rescue team we're called a hasty team because we'll be at the point of last scene or the where the incident where the last person um, saw them within an hour and so we're able to mobilize and then we're all a, a full spectrum so many of the of the teams in the areas specialize so they'll have a a special team that's mounted, a special team that's swift water, a special team that was high angle. And we were trained in all of those areas just because we'd be the very first response. And my uh, kids were in high school and um, they had a junior program and I helped out with that. I had been very involved with teaching and with um <clears throat> The, the local little two-room schoolhouse, so tiny little schoolhouse, and we were able to get them part of it and then just continued on, and it gave them a real sense of empowerment and that they could survive, and it taught them so much, and then also gave them um, an experience of seeing real consequences to bad decisions. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's unfortunately <laughs> that's, true, right? Yeah. 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 So, so what that's how I got started. What do you care? So you you get a call, somebody's missing, maybe somebody on the PCT or whatever. Maybe not even let's mm-hmm. let's go with not a horse person first. Then I want to talk to you about what okay. I do if I'm out in the woods and my horse gets loose. But um yeah. you're you're responding to a call. What kind of equipment do you bring with you on the horse? On the horse, basically what we have is what's called a twenty four hour pack. Um and if if it's not a horse person, we're usually um, on the horse team. So they'll be what we call ground pounders or on foot. But um, on the horse team, we're sent out because we can mobilize pretty quickly because we're close. And we do what's called a 24-hour pack, which means we have enough to take care of us and a subject um, for 24 hours. We have food, water, and then we don't really add a whole lot for the horse. We add a little bit of just um, some some basic medical stuff, but the horses will know the area well enough where we can get the um, to water or food, but they can go for 24 hours. And we're sent out to to do if depending if we don't know where they are, we can we can cover. 25, we usually do it at a, if we have, I've got gated horses, so we do that or a fast trot and to get out into areas to, to see if we can find any tracks or to kind of get them what we would call containment. And many times on that containment, we can find the people if they're lost. If it's an injured person, then we can usually get there and we'll take a medic with us and and have them ride in because it just saves them having their heavy medic bag and they can help us stabilize the patient. We can um, either transport them where they could be transported helicopter or we'll transport them all the way out. 
Yeah, are you seeing people, are most of them lost, or do we have people getting injured because they fall down a hill, or what What do you see most? Um, well, we used to see a whole lot more lost people. Now that the phones, because they didn't have phones, they they would get disoriented, um, and, and one of the things I say is the dangerous, most dangerous thing is to go to the bathroom in the woods because we find a lot of people, people will go farther away than because they want to have privacy and they don't take all of their you know, a compass or anything and they'll try to get over a hill and then do their business, but they oftentimes will not remember where they came from. So they'll head down over the hill thinking they're going back to camp. And so we would find them in <laughs> lots of times in drainage. How do you like explain that. that to your friends? <laughs> I get, I lose my car in the grocery store parking lot. I can't imagine that. <laughs> and, and so, but now people uh, with their phones, we can usually uh, ping them. We've gotten to the point of of being able to to when they call in and they're lost. If that's the case, then we can either walk them through it or we can get within a, a good distance of where they are. So I would say um, we still have some people that that get lost because their phones they rely on their phones, their electronics and don't know how to use a map and compass or don't take a compass. Mm -hmm. um, but those are fewer and more of the people are getting injured. They'll, they'll, they just, they hurt themselves. They trip, they fall, they break an ankle. And so I would say more of what we're doing now is, is um, injury. So we know basically where they are. They've been able to call us pretty much pinpoint where, where they end up and and then we'll um we'll find I mean we go out and, and help well, with that. Let's let's transporting or Let's change gears now and go back to horses. Okay. So I'm out riding with okay. my friend, okay, and my horse dumps me mm -hmm. out there at 8,000 feet. And then my uh -huh. horse disappears, <laughs> and I don't see it again, and I'm, I'm, on, I'm on foot, and my friend's riding. Uh, what, uh -huh. what do you recommend, or I'm alone, either way? So, you know, uh, we, don't recommend, yeah. we obviously don't recommend people ride alone in situations like when you're that right. far in the backcountry. But um, right. I'm out with somebody, right. and I lose my horse. What should I do first? The very first thing is is when there there's a whole thing of to to prevent it but but if you do yeah let's go to right if we do <laughs> if we do <laughs> um the the first thing is to try to not chase them um to they will most likely particularly if there's another horse there they will not go too far it's when you're out by yourself that they will head on home, if depending on on what happens. So the important thing is to stay calm, to um, call someone at the trailhead or where you left, because they have an incredible sense of smell and direction, and they will go back to the trailhead. They'll try to get back to the trailhead if they're not um chased or, or they get in the panic mode. If they're in that thinking space, they're going to go, oh, I know where food is and I know back to the trail. 
Um, so not chasing them. Many times, if if you can get your 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 friend with a horse, do a big circle and and see if you can kind of get between them and the trail. Um, so that person would would circle around, but. Um, contacting if you can get somebody back at the trail so trailhead or something so they can they can entice the horse back in um, and if the, I, if there's the, nobody at the trailhead mm-hmm. and so do you recommend mm-hmm. that and we can, we don't see it around the area where we are we're just headed yeah. off back down the trail so do you recommend then then that we head back to the back to the trailers and and look for it there assume that's the first place it's going to go that's going to be the first place to go. Okay. And, and at that point, um, I would always take a GPS or on your phone or whatever, getting the location of where you are. The horses will typically travel on a, on a cleared area. So they're, unless they're, they're chased, they're not going to go out through the woods. So you'll typically have a trail. So you want to, if you have your phone or a, a camera, you want to look for their tracks, take a picture of those tracks, and then go back down the trail. Um, like I said, you'll, if it's at all possible, not always, because lots of these trails are in valleys, but if you can have the other rider, um, have the, the person's horse that's horseless walk the trail quietly and have the other rider kind of do a big loop around and see if they can see if the if they can cut the horse off. But yes, she would be going back to the to the trailer because that's going to be most obvious. The only difference is is if there is a big meadow or there's a big lake or they're thirsty. Those are on your way. That would be a, another good spot to to check it out and look and see. And again trying to not chase, not staying very calm, um, and getting your horse back back together with you by by enticing them into the other horse because they're herd animals and they're gonna wanna be with with their herd. And depending on, on how you came off or what happened when you did come off, <laughs> if if there was issues with you and your horse but they will definitely come back to a, another herd, another okay. uh, another horse. So and hopefully you're part of that herd. So if I get back, uh, we, we only mm-hmm. have limited time, so I, I want to cover this part too. Right, so if I get right. back to the trailer right. and they're not there and we're, we're, you know, the horse isn't there, does a search and rescue like yours actually look for horses or are you only people? Um, well, typically, depending on, on what's going on, it's always a great idea to call the sheriff's office because the sheriff's office both have, they're the ones that dispatch the search and rescue. And they also will let, be able to let other people know, um, the forest service, those kinds of things. And they can expedite it. The, uh, the forest, the, um, the, so calling and reporting that you have a lost horse is, is your first one to the sheriff's office and they will decide whether or not to deploy it. Many times if in, in areas of where ours are, 
they will deploy the mounted team, not necessarily their whole team, but they will deploy their mounted team because we know how to go ahead and get them. We'll get llamas and things like that. And they will help have us deploy because we know that these are important to people. They're of significant investment. And if we don't, then people do not as smart things out in the woods um, trying to find. And then, then you have a lost person because they've gone out and, and kind of willy-nilly gone out and tried to find it. So, gotcha. so it is up to the sheriff. But And then if you know of any any mounted, oftentimes posses, but mounted search and rescues are are a good resource, but the sheriff will, would deploy them or call them and it wouldn't be an official. It would say, hey, could you go help these people out? All right, good. Well, we've run out of time. Where can people go to learn more about, is there a resource, a website or something where they can learn more about this? Um, there is. We have it. Um, we do training on um, mounted search and rescue, and it's called Essential Mounted um, Search and Rescue SAR, and uh, that's where we do training for mounted search and rescue. And that is a Facebook page, and I we have a website that's um, it's uh, Essential Mounted Search and Rescue dot org. That's, yeah, that's what I have Hopefully. here, too. Yep, and we'll put a link yeah, to those yeah. in our show notes as well. Thank you for joining us. We really appreciate it. What a fascinating group of people. Well, maybe your horse needs a little rescuing? Hmm? Let Cosequin help you out. Cosequin ASU joint and hoof pellets contain quality ingredients to support joint and hoof health and leave out the fillers and molasses and alfalfa, all while delivering the taste horses love. The colors of our ingredients shine through for a difference you can see. Visit CosequinEquine.com. So have you ever been in a situation where you were you you lost your horse? I refuse to answer that question <laughs> so I don't jinx myself. Gotcha. <clears throat> but I'm going to, it was so hard for me to not jump in with this weird news story, but she sounded so educated and like, I didn't want to throw her off. It sounded very informative, the interview you were doing. <laughs> well, but, there are uh, a lot of our people that ride in the woods. That's why. <laughs> to get we it got, out once there. we get to a weird news, it'll all make sense. <laughs> okay, it was gotcha. so hard for me. I just want you to know, I've like, I had to mute myself so I wouldn't interrupt your actual informative interview. <laughs> Jamie has this habit sometimes with the wrong guests, with the serious guests of interrupting with silly stuff, like and it totally throws years, them off. I just learned. I just learned <laughs> to not do that. It's taken her 3,000 episodes, but she's gotten it. <laughs> I, you should be really proud of me. I, I was. And you know what? When I know you're being quiet is when I know you're dying inside. Oh, <laughs> just hit the news button and I'll tell you. <laughs> Let me find it. <laughs> to learn why some days you're embarrassed to be part of the human race in Jamie's Weird News. Oh, I wanted to ask her so many questions because... <laughs> so there is in Mastic, New York, a bull that has been on the loose since last Like a cow Tuesday. bull? Like that kind of bull? Like a bull. Okay. Like a moo cow okay. bull. It. But it's not a cow bull. It's just a bull. Uh, he's 1,500 pounds. He's now nicknamed Barney. He escaped from a farm on Barnes Road, broke through a fence at 8 a.m. in the morning, Glenn, because why do you think he left? Because there were girls in the next so field? <laughs> no, 
No. He was supposed to be sacrificed in a religious ceremony. What? And he's like, <laughs> we do that still. No. <laughs> Apparently, people sacrifice bulls for religious ceremonies. What? Where was he this? Is, this is in New York and Long Island. Oh, okay? I was Not picturing a- like Bulgaria. No, this is in New York. It's a farm outside of Long Island. And Long they, Island. This bull, like, this is all in the news. This is all people are talking about in Long Island right now. And Suffolk County Police Department, they have responded to so many 911 calls about this bull being loose. And there's a lot of water where he is, and there's a lot of, he's in a very heavily wooded brush area, so he's not starving. They're just doing everything to try to capture this bull. Okay, Glenn. So, and this is what I was going to, I wanted to ask her, but I stopped myself. I thought you'd be very proud. <laughs> like, do you search for bulls? Is, is that going to be your question? Yeah. Well, some of the questions, <laughs> like some of the things they've done to try to apprehend Barney includes they went and they went back to his farm and put some of the feed he's used to out to try to trap him. Nope. <laughs> then they put treats to lure him in he knows nope they built a portable corral that they like have a rope attached to the gate so if he walks into like a portable corral they're just gonna pull the string and the door shuts guess what nope so here's here's their most recent thing and now this is from a long island newspaper this is not an ag <laughs> the fact that this is not long island cracks me up <laughs> this is what they have done to let everybody to really try to capture him, they took Norma Jean. Norma Jean is a cow. <laughs> the prettiest but, cow in the neighborhood. You know, a normal... <laughs> I just picture her normal, with big cartoon eyelashes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a normal animal person would say they put a cow in heat in a pen yeah. trying to lure him into the pen. Well, because this is a Long Island <laughs> newspaper, this is what they wrote. <clears throat> This new effort comes after the unsuccessful attempt of employing a menstruating cow named Norma Jean. <laughs> what? I think that's different, isn't it? <laughs> Let's put this cow on her period into this pen and see if we can capture Barney. A menstruating cow. <laughs> I love that my husband just walked in the door and I'm talking about a cow on her period. I didn't even know there were cows on Long Island. That, I'm still stuck on that one. Apparently, <laughs> they, they just keep them around for, you know, their random religious R- ceremonies. Religious ceremonies. Can you picture this thing walking across those million dollar lawns of those seafront properties eating the bushes? Can you just- uh, well, they have pictures of it. They have video and pictures. People's ring doorbells are catching this bull. <laughs> And they can, he has shut down the freeway at one point. I mean, this is like a really, really big deal in Long Island. And so they had to find a menstruating cow. But guess what? He didn't fall for your crap, Norma Jean. He knows women are trouble. That's for the cow. That's for the bull. Way to go, Barney. Now, just so you know, the update on this is he is still on the loose. Has not been captured. Good now, job. I, so what I wanted to ask her with the search and rescue, would you ever put a menstruating horse in a pen? <laughs> this was killing you, wasn't it? It was so... Anybody that's listening to the show knows this was killing you. Do you see why I stopped? I had to mute my own microphone. This was so killing you the whole oh. time. Right. Well, let's go. Let me, let me start with the beginning of Weird News. 
which is to let everybody know all these stories are actual stories that have been sent to me by listeners. (laughs) I used to have to find them, but now y'all find them because you see a story that you're reading in your newsfeed and you go, God, that's really weird. And then you email it to Jamie at horseradionetwork.com with weird news in the subject line. Now we've had two weeks, so we have a lot of people that sent weird news, including Andrew, Jolyn, Laureen, Ina, Anna, Rochelle, Scott, Jennifer, and Alyssa. And, and some of you sent multiples, uh, m- multiple stories. So what, if I don't get to it today, I'll try to get to it next week. Um, because these are just too good, but dude, it's just, I just want you to give me a round of applause for the fact that I did not talk to the lady. Okay. Moving on next to Ohio. We're keeping it local, Glenn. We're keeping it in the U.S. today. We're going to go to Ohio because this woman, there's a video of an intersection camera, and this woman goes 100 miles an hour through an intersection, clips a car. Apparently, she hit multiple cars, a utility pole and a house, and uh, she just, she had her kid in the back seat. Okay, her 11-year-old child in the back seat and just starts driving. Apparently, she suffered some bouts of she says trials and tribulations. She was recently fired from her job. So she put her kid in the car and just decided to stop driving or start driving. She starts driving. She hits a hundred miles an hour and she's like, you know what? Jesus, take the wheel. Jesus, take the wheel. Take it from my hands. Carrie's so a little better she, at that. <laughs> she literally just let go of the steering wheel and said, Jesus is going to no. take the wheel. Oh yeah. Oh With yeah. the kids in the um, car. With one kid in the car, oh. and uh, the good news is the kid is fine, and all the people she hit are fine. The it did end. The cha- the <laughs> Jesus did not take the wheel when she was heading to the giant house that she ended up running into. So Jesus let her down at the end there when she ran into the house. But again, the children are fine. They protected her kid in the back, but she has now been arrested and is uh, arrested on many, 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 many charges. As far as I know, people, Carrie Underwood is not a saint, and she is not commanding you to do that. I'm telling you, that is the most dangerous song ever (laughs) led on to people ever. It's not a commandment. It's a song. It's metaphorical. (laughs) It's metaphorical. It was on the same album as... I dug my keys That's right. to the side fist. So Jesus can take the wheel as long as he doesn't take the wheel of my ex-boyfriend who's now in a bar with another girl because I'm going to take a baseball bat to his headlights. She literally says that in the next song. Carry on. Next one. Sorry. I, I did it already three times. Go ahead. Right, well, I was a- trying to stop you from singing, but it didn't work. <laughs> you can't. Uh, passion <laughs> put that on a t-shirt all right let's let's go to oklahoma now okay i'm gonna give you a little dose of oklahoma because there is a, a this is an up in tulsa and lorraine graves was part of the department tulsa police department's weekly most wanted campaign so the tulsa police department posts that they're looking for lorraine graves and posts a picture of her lorraine graves is charged with accessory to murder she was involved in the city's homicide and blah 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 and goes on and posts her picture and says most wanted well lorraine graves saw it and lorraine graves not being the smartest human in the world posts and makes a comment underneath the post. Where's the reward money at? (laughs) She wants her own reward. (laughs) 
Her comment, perhaps unsurprisingly, <laughs> sparked a lot of reaction on social media. <laughs> And including things to be saying, girl, you better stay off social media. They can track you. And somebody else wrote, ain't going to be as funny when you get processed. (laughs) Well, guess what? They found her. (laughs) Lorraine Graves was arrested at her apartment north of Tulsa. Yeah, no kidding. (laughs) Okay, that's that's Oklahoma for you. Let me hit the sound. That sounded like a Florida story. You're starting to steal our stories. Which one would you like first? We have two more stories. Which one would you prefer? Florida woman or Florida man? I'm going with Florida woman because they're always naked. Oh, my God. How did you know? Because they're always <laughs> naked. That's what Every Florida woman story, they're naked. Every Florida um, man story, they're in somebody else's house. Well, we'll, we'll get to Florida. No, Florida <laughs> men are crazy. Florida women. Yep. They're naked. So there was a man who lives at his, lived at his house and he noticed that something was amiss. He looked outside and he said, well, why are there, why are there clothes strewn across my yard? <laughs> well, he looked at his front window and he's like, there's some pants. There's a shirt. There's a bra. There's some panties. <laughs> It's for yard. He's like, that's weird. Then he walked to his back door and he spotted what he says, the naked stranger in his pool. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, Heather Kennedy, 42 years old. That never happens at my house. (laughs) Don't worry. You don't want this one to happen. Oh, did you see her mugshot? Please tell me she was gorgeous. Oh, my guess is not. She she was probably pretty about <laughs> 400 <laughs> meth doses. Ago. Oh, yeah. Other than that, she's gorgeous. Um, so, so this is her thing. Just was, swimming in other people's pools. She was arrested facing charges of trespass. And guess what? Resisting an officer. Oh, no kidding. She <laughs> fought the officer. That big surprise there. Do you think they had to get her out of the pool with like one of those nets? <laughs> Or those snake, or those snake pool. harness things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Alligator exactly. catcher. <laughs> here, kitty, 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 come over here. We'll get you like Did, get the leaves. She out resisted, and she was she was loving the pool. It was it was lovely. Uh, it's hot it, here. It must have it's been nice that. Cool. It must have been the fact that she just didn't want to leave the pool. I'm sure that was it. No meth on board at all. <laughs> was this the first pool she had slept in? My guess is not. Or swimming. My guess is not. No. You know, I. I you know how they identified her because they she wouldn't give them their name. Of course. Um, so she's like, "My name is Jane. My Doe. name is Florida and, woman." <laughs> and so they they took her in, and the police said they were quote I. <laughs> they were able to identify her through previous jail booking photos. No kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Big surprise there. Yeah. All right. Last one. <laughs> This is actually where my mom lives. This happened. My my brother lives. And 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 to be honest, I looked at the picture to make sure it wasn't my brother because <laughs> it's a little insane. <laughs> We're gonna head up to St. Augustine, this your twin? Florida. You're talking about my twin brother yeah. lives in St. Augustine. I actually got married on the beach in St. Augustine. And it's, uh, and it's, it's a beautiful town. It is a beautiful, beautiful town. town. Yeah. Beautiful beaches. But if you've seen one of these, <laughs> just you know, just walk away. Just walk away. So a Florida man decided that he was going to raise money. And this is his quote. 
My goal is to not only raise money for homeless people, it's to raise money for the Coast Guard, raise money for the police department, raise money for the fire department. <laughs> Very noble of him. Going to raise a lot of money. Love and him. how he's going to do that, Glenn, is I'm going to try to describe the contraption. Okay? It's like a like a metal cylinder that that could have a man standing up okay a metal cylinder and then there's like two say big giant ferris wheel type things on either side which are full of balloons so there's like wheels on the side of this giant cylinder a giant welded metal cylinder the thing must be at least 15 feet tall 10 20 feet tall and it's a metal cylinder with these two balloon things on the side, like balloons stacked on top of each other, fit into a circle into these wheels. Okay. I'm probably not doing good, but you can Google this. If I you did. Want I found the picture. It's a bizarre Google looking contraption. Florida man bubble vessel. <laughs> I did. It's Florida man bubble vessel. It'll, <laughs> it, that's, that's what it is. Oh, how would you describe it? Uh, um, they call it a hamster wheel. It, okay. Okay. That's good. That's good. And there's a like, large well, hamster wheel with like red balloonies on the outside. It's like a big giant ham- hamster wheel. Yeah. And what happened was he decided he was going to head out, disembark from St. Augustine into the and ocean, he was going to enter the ocean <laughs> by running in this hamster wheel because the, the bubbles have like little paddles attached. It's not he powered. He was going to run in it. He's going to run. He's oh. going to run this hamster wheel. And he set off from St. Augustine and he was going to head to New York, which is a thousand <laughs> miles north in the ocean. His name is Riza Balucci of Central Florida. And he was attempting to run in his floating. Oh, I'm sorry. No, he was not going to New York. He was going from Florida to Bermuda or. He was going to travel north up the coast, all to raise Which, money. Whichever the way the current took him. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I'm going to go north or south, depending on which way the ocean. I'm just going to keep Did running. he bring anything along, like food and stuff, water? One day, I just felt like running. I don't know. Just run money. Yes, he did. He did prepare for the journey, Glenn, by taking, I uh, believe it was Gatorade Cliff Bar's bubble gum and tuna in a can <laughs> were his items that he was, he was going to take now. Um, so he, he headed out on Saturday morning to make this trip North or South, depending which way the wind blew, uh, as fast as wind blows. Okay. Like you just, the forest gump won't stop. I can't stop. <laughs> um, so where, how long do you think you made it? Oh, you mean how many hours or how many days? How many days do you think you made it? Because mm. it was going to take like 100 days. Yeah, it would take a while. I hope he had more than a few cliff bars. Um, I'm guessing he made it 24 hours just because the thing probably floated for that long. We're going to give him eight. <laughs> <laughs> he actually got washed up on shore a little further down in Florida. <laughs> Apparently, he has a history. Glenn, mm. he has been rescued, quote, several times in previous years after setting off inside his hydro bubble oh, <laughs> station reported. So he keeps trying, by God. Florida man, you just, you just give He's it like a, a poor man's Jeff is, Bezos, isn't he? It's like a, he uh, is it Jeff Bezos? No. Because I would say he's like the poor man's, uh, who's the evil uh, Knievel? Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> this thing actually looks like he spent some time putting it together, though. 
Yeah, I mean, I could see this as like one of those like bicycles that you rent yes, you know, at a lake. Yes, yes. Where there's like no wind. And it's pretty shark proof. The cage looks pretty solid. I mean, I don't think the shark's going to get him. Well, as somebody said that he was attempting to prove Darwin's theory and he came very close. <laughs> <laughs> and there you have it. <laughs> I hope they start charging him for all these rescues. Yeah, they, mean, he really needs to pay for them. Apparently, it didn't take much because you just watched him back on the beach a couple miles south. We're going to give this one to you, man. It's good <laughs> he didn't end up in a, in a current out there about 10 miles out, right? I mean, they would have never found him. He was ready for that, Glenn. He was ready for it because he had his clip bars and cans of tuna That's and true. Gatorade. That's okay? true. That's true. He would have been feeding them to the sharks pretty soon. Well, there we go. That was a good batch. That was a good batch, everybody. Thank you for sending, Jamie. Where do they send the good batch of good stuff to you? Send the weird news to Jamie at horseradionetwork.com. Don't worry. I won't tell which one's yours because um, nobody needs to know your business. Just send it to me. I'll keep it on the DL. I'll say your first name, and that's all all I'm going to give away. And if you don't want me to do that, fine. Tell me. I won't. I probably will because I'll forget. But for the most part, just, you know, let me have them. See you, everybody. Spay, neuter, geld. (laughs) 